to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me today, I have best-selling YA author Scooby, one of my close personal friends who I adore, who texts me at 1 a.m. to talk Buffy. <laughs> Kirsten White. <laughs> Hi, Kirsten. Hi. <laughs> I love that last night we talked about this episode, and now we're here recording. <laughs> yes, yes, because we just have to make sure that we're we're constantly communicating about Buffy on every possible medium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have two great guests today. Our first guest is activist and noted monkey bone fan. <laughs> I'm Alex Kack. Sorry, I started laughing when he actually said that out loud. <laughs> we also have award-winning podcaster at Chipperish Media, co-host of the Still Pretty Podcast and storytelling expert. Oh, Lonnie Dine Rich. Sorry, I just saw him go through that and I still just... <laughs> 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 it's fine. There's always a little bit of like a... <laughs> uh, Lonnie, I feel like I'm excited to have Buffy royalty here today. Oh, uh, aren't you sweet? You are going through Buffy for your second full time, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is my second run. I'm in the middle of season six right now. Oof. <laughs> season six is roof. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Everybody's got a favorite, you know, season of Buffy. and But I feel like I look at them like my kids. Like they all have their own special gifts, right? You know, and so each particular season has its own thing to offer. And season six is a, is a rough run for a lot of reasons. But quality is not one of the reasons. There's actually some really interesting things happening there. So I'm sorry. I just always feel the need to defend. I also know that a lot of people don't really like season seven. I am a huge fan of season seven. So I will be carrying the pro season seven flag for anybody who needs me to carry it who wants to hate up on it I will love up on it enough to make up for it and balance everything I, out that makes me very happy to hear because I haven't met a lot of season seven apologists I'm oh I'm not an apologist I'm a fan dude yeah yeah no I, I'm sorry I'm just gonna jump in here like you, yes. you, you, you have two on the show right now I my, oh, my unpopular Buffy opinion is that like I just like it all like I, every like it's it's just like that is an unpopular thing in the fandom like i love all of the scoobies like yes that means don and riley and like i'll defend them to the last uh, I, love I think it. i think season six is great i think season seven is great i think they're like great for different reasons but i think they're mm -hmm. objectively i like kennedy even like okay wait like, uh, we'll just get we'll uh, just, just let's just do the thing like uh, <laughs> These are my friends and I will defend them. I will say that I am I am staunchly pro Kennedy only because like she's not my favorite but like I don't think the hate is as deserved. No. And I continue to say Willow needed a rebound. Mm -hmm. She got a hot young top. Nothing wrong with it. They weren't forever loves. Like, these shows, they want you to, like, I feel like a lot of the fans want it to be like, oh, it has to be a forever love. But I'm totally cool with Willow being like, oh, she's hot. It's the end of the world, maybe. Sure, we'll hook up. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I have to say, I've never been a huge Kennedy fan, but the hot young top uh like reframing of this whole thing is going to completely inform my read when i get to yes. season seven so thank you so much for that ian i appreciate that that makes me very happy to hear. <laughs> i'm i'm fully like on this train of thought with kennedy though whereas like it's like it's very clear that like after they like leave sunnydale like this ends messy and she probably gets hurt really bad by willow right but right. like you know <laughs> like they're like they're, they're probably cool about it. Like there's like, there's like, they're, 
probably yeah. they're probably pleasant after a few months. You know, they're able to be friends. Yes. I feel like it was it's probably that scenario, you know? Yeah. 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 And yes, I I also the only time I've ever gotten booed <laughs> was when I did buff, I did um Buffering's live show and they were so they do like no spoilers. So I was like nervous that I was gonna spoil something as I'm on stage for their live show at this like very packed venue. Um and they were like, oh, like, how do you feel? And I kind of said the same thing you did, Lonnie, where I was like, well, I actually do love all of them. Like, I do defend them all. And I said that, like, even Xander to a point I love just because of Xander, just because Buffy and Willow love him. Yeah. Like, I recognize his flaws and his problems. Um, but, like, I still love all of them because I think they complete the show. They're like my children where it's like, okay, yeah, I definitely don't love you as much, but I still love you. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, that's how I feel about the show. Like, even when there's characters that I, I think are problematic or whatever, it's like, I can talk about that, but it's like, I still love them because they make up the show that I love. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, Alex, do you want to start us off with your Buffy origin story since you're, it's your first time? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Um, My Buffy origin story uh was... Uh, so I guess like very technically, I like caught some of some of the early season episodes at air. I was uh, I was like pretty young and I wasn't like very into it. Like I remember seeing the master mm-hmm. in a season one episode and being like seven and being like, um, <laughs> but then I saw Panks when it aired and oh. it was just like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And then following that, I forget which network here, but one of the networks had like a Buffy marathon on, like, I think it was literally a couple days after Pangs aired. And I watched, like, I marked it down in the TV guide and I watched all of it. And then I caught something blue and I just kind of continued like that, um, to an unreasonable and unhealthy degree, uh, where I had (laughs) like every bit of merchandise and, uh. Yeah, it's just it was actually it was just incredibly important. Like, there's a lot of like rough life stuff that was going on probably around the early 2000s for me and my family. And uh, Buffy was just like this huge constant uh, thing that was there for it. So it was, it's very cool. Hmm, that's, that's nice. That's, that's, uh, my, that's my Buffy origin story. Lonnie, uh, I'm curious what yours is too. <laughs> Well, uh, one thing I wanted to comment though on Alex um, is that I've had I've heard that so many times where people say they they found Buffy at a difficult time and it kind of saved them, you know. Um, and I always find that really interesting the ways in which Buffy can actually save people. And I believe that fiction. I mean, you know, I'm a story expert, big narrative nerd, um, and I do believe that like story is the most powerful force on earth. I won't go into my whole rant on that now. Um, but anybody wants it can find me and ask me about it later. Um, but my Buffy origin is actually a little complicated. Uh, the moral of the story being, I'll tell you this right up front, that the person who suffers most from snobbery is the snob, right? Um, so I graduated from a film school and this friend of mine who had gone to school with me is like, oh, you got to watch Buffy. And I was like, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like um, seriously, <laughs> you know, um, because I had that kind of attitude back then. And I watched one episode and dismissed it completely. And then it was like the universe was like, hey, asshole. You know how sometimes the universe does that where it's <laughs> yeah. like you decide you're not going to do something. And the universe is like, ha, funny you think that, right? Um, so <laughs> then I ended up working at a WB station um, and I was editing their promos 
Uh, and they were all these Buffy promos. So every week I had Buffy in my face and I was still like, you know, now. Um, and then uh, later on, I got a, I was working at a UPN TV station and I was the promotions manager. So I had the key to the promo closet. It was filled with Buffy stuff. There was Buffy candles. There was Buffy t-shirts, Buffy everything. I still wasn't watching the show. I would come around the corner and there was a stand up a cardboard stand-up of Buffy like in the corner by the copier. And every single time I walked by, I jumped and screamed, right? Because I was like, oh my God, there's Buffy with a stake in the in the corner of this thing. Took me forever. Um, and then finally, I started um, writing romance novels um, and studying story and trying to figure out how, you know, how stories worked, right? And all of my friends in the romance writing community were like, oh my God, Buffy. And finally, I was like, all right, fine, whatever. And I Netflix the DVDs and me and my kid's dad and I watched like the whole thing. It felt like one long lost weekend. I'm not sure my kids got fed during that time. Um, I'm sure it was a couple of weeks, but it feels like this white hot moment in my personal timeline, right? Um, and for him too. I mean, he still does Buffy cosplay to this day in which he he actually dresses as Buffy. It's freaking adorable. Um, but uh, so now I'm on my second run, you know, through the whole series, analyzing it as a story expert. And it has been a touchstone. And I still will argue to this day that uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of the richest, and and most interesting literary texts uh, like of the modern era that is my argument huh. huh i think that's a i think that's a valid argument i actually have a really important question lonnie uh, yeah because you worked in wb promotions were you part of the this week on a fresh smallville campaign <laughs> do you remember that that's all the episodes fresh you can't stop doing it this week on a fresh Mandalorian. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't that high up. I just edited them for the local Tucson station. But but yeah, no, I remember that. <laughs> Wait for the local Tucson station. Uh huh. I lived in Tucson for a while. I'm currently living in Tucson, and that and I, I was visiting Tucson when I saw Pangs at Air in that Buffy origin story. I told you. Oh my goodness. See, we're clearly meant to be on this together. No, I yeah, love yeah. Tucson. I lived there for a number of years. My daughter actually goes to the U of A out there. So yeah. We think oh, we just nice. became Great best place. friends. I think Alex, I think we're going to be good friends. I'm really looking forward to our relationship. <laughs> yes. I did it all on purpose. Uh, I knew about this in advance. You know how to make BFFs, man. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, so I'm really glad to have two first time guests. I'm glad to have both of you on, uh, and we're here to talk about season seven, same time, same place. Um, and I'm really glad that both of you are pro season seven because I, I I think Kirsten and I kind of fall in the same vein of like, we like it, but mm-hmm. right, Kirsten? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love, it's the same with, with any season. Like there's so much of it that I love. Season seven, I have real structural issues with, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I was actually really excited about this episode because this for me has always been one of those standout episodes just because I, I think the themes are great. I think the body horror is really memorable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this episode because it is it is one of my favorite season seven episodes, actually. Nice. Um, yeah, so we open. I, I've said this every time, but God, they make us watch Tara die in like every previously on. Oh <laughs> and it's like, mm, I don't need to see this again. I already know this happens. Like, yeah. ugh. every previously on is so bleak because it like quickly recaps season six. Um, although I think maybe this is like the last one where they really need it. I don't think we see it as much moving forward. Um, but yeah, so we get a lot of that. I like, 
I kind of like that for this opening, and I I was curious what you would you thought, Kirsten, and like both of you, uh, Alex and Lonnie as well. Um, it kind of shows you from the beginning, like even though throughout the episode there's like Buffy thinking it might be Willow, and like you kind of get a little confusion, like you know it's not Willow's not evil, like you know there's no chance of her doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I forgot that we got Gnarl. I mean, we don't see him, but we get him right after the credits. I kind of thought that we didn't see him till the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked that the the episode is showing us that it's clearly not Willow. Um, the only reveal is that she did accidentally do a spell, right? Uh, and but the show is throughout the whole episode. There's no mystery for the audience. It's a mystery for the characters, kind of, mm-hmm. right? Like we know there's that demon. We saw him post credits, shadowy whatever demon attacked that kid or whoever it was. Um, and I kind of like that we know, like, we're not worried it's Willow. We're not worried she's doing something bad, but the characters are, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I agree. I like that they lean into the uncertainty of the characters and their relationships. So yeah. it's a very relationship heavy episode, right? Which is probably why I like it. Um, and, and yeah, exactly. Like, the fact that they have to confront the idea that it could be Willow and acknowledge it and, and their various levels of willingness to engage with that idea, um, I think is more interesting because we know that it's not. So yeah. as, as viewers, we don't have to be like, you need to consider this really obvious possibility. We get to watch them considering this obvious possibility while knowing that's not the case. And so we get to feel all the feelings of like, oh, but it's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was a smart storytelling choice and like a surprising one too, because it would have been easy to be like, oh, we can have the tension in this episode being, did Willow do it or didn't she? Instead, the tension is that they're just not connecting and they're just not seeing each other literally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also love that we get Willow or Xander holding the like sign with the yellow crayon and that Dawn and Buffy are immediately like, "Uh uh-huh, tell us a story again, (laughs) because that tracks for this whole gang that Xander, and I mean, who wouldn't write, oh, I kind of saved the world by doing this cute speech. Like who wouldn't be bringing that up all the time? I know I would. Um, And I like that they're teasing him about it. And it just, it feels a lot of the beginning of season seven feels very, um, early season Buffy, I think. And that's a thing that I really love about this beginning is it's lighthearted. You know, even when they're referencing these things that were heavy, like Xander did, you know, talk Willow down from destroying, you know, the world by with a crayon speech, they're still like teasing about it. And I, I just liked the, like going back to that kind of tone for the show. I, I think that's one of the things that really works well in general about season seven and is, is on full display in parts of this episode uh, is, is that they, it's kind of fan service because it's the last year, but they do a really good job after having such a dark, heavy year of having these episodes and these moments in these episodes that ground it and kind of the the original feeling of the series. And it's it kind of sets a tone where you're like, you know that this is coming to a conclusion, like as a story arc and that you're in the final chapters of this. And it for me, like those little moments where they're, you know, it's yeah, Dawn and, and Buffy and Xander in the beginning of this episode. Like it, it's just it has these lighthearted kind of humorous moments. It almost like makes me want to pay attention more to each episode because it, it sets a, a mode where you like when you're watching it all the way through, you know that this really is the conclusion and there's important things that are kind of happening here. Uh, I thought this was just a great device in so many ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we get so we see Buffy and Dawn and Xander waiting 
they leave because Willow never showed up. And then we repeat the scene, um, seeing, you know, that family that's arguing. And it kind of shows us that, like, yes, both these things are happening. Um, you don't really know why, but you know that Willow was there and that Xander and Buffy also were there, but they didn't, like, see each other. Because we see that family fighting without Willow and then we see that family fighting in front of Willow. Um, and I kind of like that. And I think Allison Hannigan, I mean also Emma Caulfield, but Alison Hannigan does some really good work in this episode. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, most of her scenes are by herself for, like, most of the episode. And I think she's doing, I mean, she's a really good actor, so duh. <laughs> but she's doing some really good work just, like, being alone and kind of being like, oh, shit, this sucks. Like, her face is, like, she's understandably sad and, like, bummed out that she didn't see her friends, like, greeting her and even gets to the Summer's house and, you know, is just like, all right, I'll nap on the couch. Like... I don't know. I think she's doing some really good work here. I and I also really love how aggressively ugly that couch is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's so small, and the couch is so big, and like, yeah, just the physicality of she doesn't go to sleep in a bed. She just goes and lays down on the couch, and like, she's so alone, right? And she's so good at communicating that, and you know, because her guilt and her grief and her fear has completely isolated her from the people who love her, which is. You know, it, it's, it's so accurate. Like, it shows yeah. that I think the best when it uses the supernatural elements to tell very, very true things. And this episode's a really excellent example of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kirsten, wasn't it you that said in, I think, one of the end of the season six episodes, and you were like, why do they still have that couch? That's where Buffy's mother died. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But this is a different couch, isn't it? Is it? I feel like it is. I feel like the one that Buffy's mom died on was just beige. Maybe. I can't remember. Mm. I don't know. It Someone listening is definitely going to be like, it was or it wasn't. Yeah. So, so, someone is going to actively Google that and then email, email yeah. you very upset. In my head, I want to say they're both floral print, but maybe the one in this episode has like a wood trim to it like i'm over analyzing <laughs> this right now well how many times has everything been destroyed by yeah, demons yeah. i mean i imagine this is couch number 45 at this point oh, yeah. Yeah. they gotta be naming them like hurricanes it's like you know <laughs> which letter of the alphabet are we on yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. and like i mean also that window is probably window number like 55 oh yeah <laughs> been smashed so many times uh so yeah, so Willow's kind of, like, sat around the house, but then we also cut to Buffy, Xander, and Dawn coming home. Um, they call, we learn that she calls Giles, um, and I like that Xander says, like, she, like, says how Giles was freaking out, and he says, a tasteful British Wiggins, and <laughs> Buffy goes, with extra wig? And I'm like, what are these people even saying? I love this. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, you know, such Buffy speak. But also, that's, like, how friends talk to each other, right? With, like, stupid, like, throwback inside jokes. Yeah. That maybe don't make sense to anyone else. And I like that Dawn... So Dawn has a... Uh, you pointed this out, Kirsten. We kind of have to confront them confronting the fact that maybe it is Willow. Mm -hmm. And I... I mean, this is an... This season does really good Dawn rehabilitation. Um, yeah. I like that Dawn is kind of, like... When are we going to start blaming Willow if she is evil again? Um, and I thought that was like an interesting. It, because this season too, Buffy, and I mean throughout the show, Buffy does a lot of like picking and choosing with 
what yeah. is like punishable evil and what's like, oh no, that we can rehab this evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that Dawn's kind of the one that's like, um, but if she's evil again, we gotta blame her. Like we can't just be like, oh, poor Willow, because if she was evil, yeah, that like is kind of true, right? Yeah. Well, but then, she, and then she says, which I feel like kind of walks it back because you feel like Dawn is being pretty harsh toward Willow, who was kind of a second mother or third mother or fourth mother. You know, there's a lot of fun <laughs> for Dawn. It takes a village. Um, not- yeah. <laughs> right. It takes a village to raise a key. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then she says, when uh, something along the lines of, um, if no one asks for help when they need it, it's their fault, basically. Like, we, we can't keep learning the same lesson over and over again, which is interesting coming from Dawn, who has the same character arc over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was a, was a really good point. And I like that Dawn got to make it. And I, I agree. I think that was a good. Um, that was a good moment. And and you do see the relationship between, you know, Xander and Willow, Buffy and Willow, Dawn and Willow, Anya and Willow. Like, I, I like that that we get these glimpses into how they actually feel because Willow isn't there. And so they're talking around her, right? They're talking around her yeah. absence in, in really interesting ways that reveals a lot about each relationship with Willow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually um, really love Dawn. Um, I'm, I'm finding that the more critically I look at the series, the more I actually like Dawn. I didn't care for her much, um, much like a lot of people um, <laughs> in the, the first time I saw it. Um, but Dawn in this episode particularly, I mean, Kirsten, for exactly what you were saying, um, that she is like, hey, you know, we have to hold people accountable for what they do. She's not saying don't forgive Willow if yeah. Willow's okay, but she's saying like if, if people need to ask for help, people need to, you know, be able to reach out and and, and talk about whatever's going on. That is an incredibly mature perspective mm-hmm. coming from Dawn, which I really, really appreciate. But the other thing that I absolutely love about Dawn, like in this particular episode, um, is the way that she is about the work, you know? She's looking mm-hmm. everything up. She's researching all this stuff when they're like, oh, you know, um, how do you know it's this demon? She's like, well, as a matter of fact, there were no pools of blood. You know why? Because this guy sucks up the blood. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like she's got the whole thing. And she's like, we could build a database and we could do a thing. And I'll tell you something like I am a sucker for love stories in general, but love stories between a person and their work is like where I live. I love somebody who is nerdy about the work and having such a good time with it. So um, Dawn in this, you know, um, is um, she's empowered. She's smart. She's actively involved in everything. Um, She was, you know, we start the season with lessons, you know, that she's going to learn how to do all these things, how to defend herself. Um, And there's a lot, there's a lot of badass Dawn, you know, when you go through the run of of the show there's a lot of badass dawn we miss yeah. it because it's always packaged in this get out get out get out sandwich right <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. just a little bit much after a while and yeah. i get it um but dawn is actually pretty kick-ass and i love her in season seven she's actually one of the bright spots of season seven for me yeah. she is and also yeah her hair looks so good in this episode <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so she has really good hair <laughs> it's so shiny yeah. There's just yeah. a sheen to yeah. it. Now, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Dawn that is interesting to me is that the, the reason that I think that there's like two main reasons that people hate her and neither are applicable by season seven, which is mm-hmm. that she's a big change and people hate change. And two, that she is like, you know, a little kid who is in trouble and is acting out and 
and that can be obnoxious to watch. I mean, it can be obnoxious to be around in real life, too. But that's also just very true to eighth graders, to, like, ninth graders. Like, that's kind of how they behave. And that also makes perfect sense in season seven as we see her emerging and, and seeing her take a genuine interest in an active and competent role in slaying and, and all these things. Like, she's... There's a huge amount of growing up and emerging maturity that happens between being 13 and 16, which is essentially the arc we see Dawn in, in this show. Uh, and I feel like people in the fandom can like logically understand that. And then just, just kind of dump on her character and ignore (laughs) all this progression that happens in season seven. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Riley's not around to beat up anymore. So we got to beat up on somebody. Look, don't even even get me started on why Riley's an undersold character. We'll go back to season four and do this. haired douchebag. Alex, you and I are going to go into Thunderdome for that one. (laughs) All right. Here's the deal. You and and me side recording every character in the Buffyverse. (laughs) Absolutely. Alex, you and I are going to (laughs) hang. I'll tell you why every single one of them, villains and heroes, is a great person. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, All right. So then we get... So we get the next day, Willow goes to the magic box and sees Anya. And... I love the scene. I love all of the Anya scenes in this are so fucking good. Emma Caulfield does so much work with such little, like, I mean, and that's not like the writer's fault. She's not really a main character in this episode, right? She's the one that, the only one that can see both groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't Spike. So I just, I don't know, the the work she's doing here. And Anya, a thing I noticed upon this watch, actually, that I hadn't really noticed, Anya kind of gives more than Willow does in the friendship realm between the two of them. Like Willow never yeah. liked her, you know, in, in Alex, you said your first episode, you fell in love with him pangs when, when Willow's like, we can have our own Thanksgiving dinner dinner. Oh, and we cannot invite Anya. That's kind of like the theme of Willow versus Anya throughout <laughs> mm-hmm. the whole show. Yeah. Um, but I like that. I don't know. Anya's a lot more willing, you know, immediately she's like, she's standoffish, but then, you know, after Willow's like, I feel really responsible. And she's like, you feel really responsible? Yeah. I love that. But then, like, you know, moments later, Anya's like, all right, let's sit on the curb and, like, catch up. We'll talk. Mm-hmm. And Willow's, like, barely paying attention to her. But Anya's, Anya, like, kind of is like, yeah, cool. We're cool. Like, almost immediately. And I, I don't know I like that about Anya. Well, that's, that's actually one of the notes I made, too, uh, watching this. is I mean, that, that Willow's not even ignoring her. Willow actively cuts her off and tries to... I mean, essentially just press her for the information she wants. She's not there to have that conversation because, but that's very true to, and this is, here's an unpopular opinion. And again, I'll defend every single Scooby, but I'll also criticize them. And I think that's one of the ways to defend them is none of them are idealized people. And Willow's no exception to that. Like, it's easy to say, like, she got addicted to magic and killed people. And sure, like, that's maybe the worst thing she did. But she, she's consistently from episode one to the last, like an inherently very selfish person. The best part of Willow's whole, and that's like one of the best parts of her story, season seven, and kind of, I think, a little bit starting in the way she's internalizing herself in this episode forward, is kind of her being able to give a little bit more to her friends on a, on a basis that's actually about them and not about kind of how she's reflecting herself off of them. And I think that this scene with Anya is incredibly important because it's kind of the last time you see her 
really be just inherently selfish, but it's just played so on the nose. Obviously, it's almost like the writers were just like, in case you forgot, like we we love Willow, but like she's kind of insecure and she kind of uses her friends to make her feel better about herself or to get the things she wants. And it was just like just like a neon sign. And I kind of love that they did that because that's the beginning of the end of that for her as a, a person. Like she moves mm-hmm. past that and heals, which is important and cool to see on TV. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also think that Anya is the most emotionally healthy of all of them because she's so brutally honest, right? Which is played for humor, played as a flaw, but it's not. I mean, Anya is able to resolve her relationship with Willow because she flat out says, this is what you did. This is how I feel about it. I can see that you feel terrible. So, okay, whatever, let's move on. And like, I love that. I, I mean, Anya's my favorite side character. Um, she, I feel like she has the most incredible storyline and growth. And this show is such a good example of that, that, that everybody else, what they go through damages them, almost makes them less human, right? Whereas Anya, even when she becomes a demon again, she still, I feel like, as the series progresses, becomes the most human out of anyone. And I love this scene and I love the way that she engages with everybody in this entire episode. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, for Anya being a pretty minor character in it, she is, she's showcased so beautifully. Yeah. Anya's fantastic and is one of my favorite characters too. And not just because Emma Caulfield can deliver uh, yeah. comic like stuff like nobody's business I mean that's why they use her I always, like refer to her as the comedy mule so like whenever they need to load up some jokes they just put them on her back and they smack her on the ass and like Emma go take it right? she just carries it through the scene right um, you know and so like sometimes because she's so good at carrying all those jokes that's what they give her to do and I mean she does it amazing when we get to selfless oh my god like the dramatic stuff that she's able to do what we had in Hell's Bells also unbelievable but when we give Anya some more uh like deeper work to do she's always so interesting she's so layered but yeah Kirsten I love you know the way that you describe that that she is so honest and that allows her to move through these places that other people might get emotionally stuck in in their relationships Mm -hmm. where they're being so damn polite to each other that they don't get past it but I also love this spell reflection that always reminds me of Doppelgangland right when Anya pulls Willow into a spell right Um, trying to get her ring back Mm -hmm. right and then now we go through this whole relationship with the two of them and here we are with another spell Willow is pulling Anya into helping her with a spell Um, and they're going through this whole process together and honestly i mean it's it's so cute it's so funny i love when anya says hey there's me on like the demon yeah. map you know um <laughs> but also the it did get a little sexy didn't it and then <laughs> and then willow has a moment where she's like yeah and then she's like no and she's like we're gonna set that aside but an anya and willow uh, canoodle is something that i would absolutely be down for because i, I this relationship between the two of them i i I get real tired of women fighting over a man, you know, and we kind of resolve that a little bit in triangle, but the, the tension is never really like released. I think you take Xander out of that relationship and get these two girls a weekend up in Napa and everything (laughs) just smooths out so nicely. When Anya would be so good for Willow too, right? Because she she would be so honest and she would force Willow to actually engage with feelings and with emotional honesty which yeah never never happens with the others they're always so tentative and yeah i I I mean i 
Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, you know, uh, maybe another unpopular opinion, but like uh, Anya is my favorite character, and we just put her through all that with Xander. We do not need to put her through like Hurricane Willow as well, who like <laughs> was historically not good. Like, let's just be honest, Willow was a really bad girlfriend to Oz and Tara, <laughs> and probably to Kennedy. Like long term. <laughs> <laughs> but see Anya could straighten that out okay look I am not a proponent of the you know the love of a good woman will fix anybody but I <laughs> but. do think that maybe Anya and Willow okay right I ship it I'm sorry I ship it I can't oh no it. I, I, I see it Alex you're right uh, Alex, I, 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 with you. I see it but I can't let my girl Anya go down like this. I, you know what? And I completely appreciate that you're protecting Anya because I love her too. But man, those two, it's nice. It yeah. did get a little sexy, didn't it? That, li- that line though is just so well delivered. It's so great. She's so excited about it too. Like she's so pleased. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's like she unlocked an achievement or something. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, they do that as the pressure release valve, right? Because they've just had this very, very honest exchange about mm-hmm. going yeah. down that path of indulging your absolute worst impulses and your your darkest, most violent feelings. Um, and Anya admits that she is not comfortable being a, a demon anymore and that the vengeance just doesn't fulfill her like it used to because she feels guilty now. And that's setting us up so nicely heading towards selfless. Um, yeah. Just a lot of like, yeah. a lot of really good, so many good moments. Like, yeah, yeah. that this episode really seeds in for, for future episodes that I love. Absolutely. But we are not, we are not to, we are not at the sexy spell yet. Uh, <laughs> so they have this, sorry, they have this moment. No, it's okay. We have, they have this moment outside the magic box. Um, and then we cut to we we do find the uh, flayed body because Anya tells Willow Xander likes to get to the construction site early, so Willow goes to find him. She can't find him. She finds this flayed body, and they do a thing that I really like where Willow's looking at the body, and we get a close up on the flayed body, and then we pan out and it's Buffy and Xander looking at the body instead of um, Willow. Mm-hmm. And I think and so then we get Willow walking through the halls of. Sunnydale High, um, because she's going to find Spike, because Anya mentioned that Spike was in the basement. And I think James Marsters also is do is like fucking killing the scene where he's talking to both Buffy and Willow. Um, I think he does a really good, like, I mean, I think the 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 Whedon, like all of the Buffy writers' way of writing like quote unquote crazy is kind of Drusilla, which isn't you know that's not like real world like someone having a meltdown that's like supernatural show someone having a meltdown mm-hmm. um but i think james marsters like does a lot of good with this like spike version of drusilla mm-hmm. and i almost wish we could have paused on it a little because after this we kind of he kind of starts to be like more coherent and more like fine like in the next episode he helps buffy uh rescue cassie and then kind of like integrates back into the group um, I think we could have had a little bit more of this, although I don't really know plot-wise what else we would have done. Um, but James Marsters' acting is just really good, and I really like the confusion going on here when yes. actually there's, like, to Spike, it's, like, less confusing because he can see both of them, but he's just not, like, coherent mentally, so he's, like, not able to tell them. But, like, he's saying he's seeing Willow. Like, he's saying, like, oh, one of you, like, must not really be here. Um 
And I don't know, I, I really like that. You know, I like his delivery of button, button, who's got the button, my money's on the witch. His reference to Effulgent there, oh, it's just yeah. like, yeah. really good. <laughs> I love that he is both a clarifying agent and another level of obfuscation between these two. Like, yeah. Willow can't see them, they can't see her. He can see both of them, but he cannot, while he's saying this is what's happening, button, button, who's got the button, my money's on the witch. You know, he's figuring right. out what's happening. He has clarity on it for himself, but he's unable to really express that. Um, and his his, you know, hold on reality is is clearly tenuous at this point. Um, but it's it's just so fun to see him in that role. And it's so beautifully done. Jane Espenson, who wrote this episode, is one of my favorite Buffy writers uh, because she does have such a deft hand with language. And I love the yeah. way that this is played. I mean, this is dancing on, you know, the of a pin at this point with all of the elements that are going on and who knows what and who understands what and all of that um, and having it all spin around Spike in that moment and James Marshers of course killing it as he does in every scene um, I think it's just wonderful I love that part yeah and and the way that it's constructed is so clever too like mm-hmm. um, yeah. where you see the conversation from one side and then the you get everything filled in when you see the conversation from the other side. It's, mm-hmm. it was really, really cleverly constructed. And, and as you all said, like, you know, James Marster acts the hell out of it. He does such a good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so then we do get, so Willow leaves and she does go to Anya's apartment. Uh, Anya, every, I feel like these are such good Anya lines, like one right after the other when she's like, yes, come in, enjoy my personal space. And then like (laughs) Willow asked her to help her. And she's like, is it difficult or time consuming? Like it's just like so Anya and like so Anya, like one line right after the other. There's no like boring part or like an Anya. Because, you know, I mean, in any show, even in the show that I love so much, sometimes we'll get scenes of the characters just have to do like a little bit of exposition work, right? We have to explain what's going on. But this is like, we're doing that, but like so enjoyably. I, I don't know. I, I really enjoy yeah. this scene. Um, and I do think that kind of after this episode, Willow, I almost feel like this episode more does more work for Willow and Anya's friendship than Triangle. While I love Triangle, Triangle was supposed to kind of do that and it didn't really. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, in Selfless, when Willow finds the like slaughtered, frat house she doesn't go to buffy she goes to anya mm-hmm. to like personally talk to her like friend to friend almost mm-hmm. um and i think that here is laying the groundwork for that because they do talk about how miserable it is you know they're comparing you know kills and comparing uh misery and i i just find it very it's not a thing we also it's also not a thing we often got to see anya do right mm-hmm. uh and like you said, Kirsten, it's definitely laying the groundwork for selfless because we're getting her guilt here. We're getting we're getting a lot of like what's been going on with Anya, right? Mm-hmm. And we hadn't really been able to get that because our the show had been from more Buffy and Xander's perspective prior to this episode, and they kind of really weren't friends with Anya anymore. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I really like this scene. But so then they do a spell, and we're gonna have a reading uh, of the scene with Brittany Ashley. Uh, reading as Anya and Dana Pickley reading as Willow. This isn't going to get all sexy, is it? I'd be shocked. Okay, do you have your powder? Oh, I ate that. I have it. Okay. We scatter it all over the map, 
And everywhere there's a demon, a little light appears. Oh, pretty. Will it hurt the carpet? No. Okay. Scatter. Oh. Oh. Hey, look, that's me. Hello. What's that huge clump? It's the high school. It's all hellmouthy underneath. Things have been stirring there lately. Is it getting brighter? Smoke. Ah. Okay. Remember our talk about the carpet? This could be it. It's it's strong. It's near the body and it's all by itself hiding in the woods or, or, or maybe cave. There are a couple of good caves around here. I don't know. Sounds pretty thin to me. Well, that's why you teleport over there real quick, like, but uh, real quick, and see if I'm right. No, sorry. You damaged my carpet. Anya, you're a vengeance demon. Just teleport. Well, as it turns out, teleporting isn't a right. It's a privilege. I withdrew a vengeance spell last week, and this is my punishment. I can only teleport for official business. I have to file a flight plan and everything. Oh. I'm sorry, that must be hard. Yeah, it bites a pretty big one. And the vengeance itself, it's its not as fulfilling as I remember. Really? Because I got the impression that you enjoyed, you know, inflicting. Well, causing pain sounds really cool, I know, but turns out it's really upsetting. Didn't used to be, but now it is. Is it like you're scared of losing that feeling again? And then having it be okay to hurt people? And then you're not in charge of that power anymore because it's in charge of you? Wow, that was really overdramatically stated, but yeah, that's it. I get it. Believe me. I'm sorry, Willow. I wish it were better for you. You too. It did get a little sexy, didn't it? I have to find this monster. Willow, um, isn't there another spell? I mean, you're trying to find Buffy and Xander. Couldn't we use a spell to do that? I did. I I tried, and something went kaflooey, and it didn't work. What did it say? It said they don't exist. So, I love that scene. I love, I mean, you mentioned it before, Lonnie, the, it did get a little sexy, didn't it? It's just (laughs) so good. And Anya, at this point, Helfreck is like Anya's only friend. So, I feel like Anya's just like so happy that even this like person who kind of doesn't like her, but like they're still kind of friends, like Anya's like happy to be like, involved and kind of have a friend um aside from like it maybe getting sexy like i think she's just happy to have a friend Mm -hmm. i think that's like the bottom line whether it is also like a friend that like also maybe i don't know it's sexy uh you know that's a different thing but i think it is like both of those things going on here um and and also i love emma caulfield with the dark brown hair i don't know i think it works yeah (laughs) it's a solid look yeah, I think Anya's also just, she's looking for connection. I mean, that's why she went back to, to, um, and now I can't even think of his name. The Hoffman. The, the demon. The, the Hoffman. Hmm? The Hoffman. Yes, the Hoffman. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote about him in my book and I can't remember his name. Um, I was just about to say, Kirsten, you wrote about him. <laughs> I know, I know. It's been a month. And it's only oh, like, God. what, the sixth? Um... <laughs> So yeah, but but when you look at it, the Scooby Gang has been her anchor ever since she got put into a world she didn't want to be in, right? Right. They've been her anchor, and she's now cut off from all of them. And so I think that that's probably part of why she was willing to forgive Willow to work with her because you know she she doesn't have a lot of people or even demons in her life, um, which is sad. <laughs> you're, you're right. I didn't even think about that because we do get in lessons. When Anya and Halfrek are like getting coffee at the uh, espresso pump, Anya says like, 
oh, what is this, an intervention? Shouldn't all my demon friends be here? And Halfred says, sweetie, they are, and like mm-hmm. sips her coffee. Yeah. So we know that Anya doesn't even have other demon, like Halfred is literally her only friend at this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like her boss, the Hoffren, and that's it. Um, and, you know, none of us want that for Anya because we love Anya. But so we cut back to the Summer's home and we get more of Watcher Junior Dawn, which I do love. Yeah. Um, I love that they kind of call Xander stupid when they're like, well, if we were smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I do also like that Dawn pretty quickly, even though Dawn was the one to bring up, like, are we going to blame Willow if she's gone evil? Dawn pretty quickly, like, solves what the issue is. She's like, oh, it's Narl. Like, she, and I think, I'm not, Lonnie, you might know, this, I think this is the first time we see the same website they used on Angel. (laughs) Demons, demons, demons. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's the first time we see that website like explicitly on Buffy. I believe it is the first time we've seen it on Buffy, but it is one of those things that I always think about whenever they are surrounded by piles of books and I'm like, for God's <laughs> sakes, people, Google, you know? Yeah, just, like... just use your computer. <laughs> Someone's got this digitized somewhere. <laughs> I do think it's in- it- an interesting kind of uh, thing there, though, where Cordelia has been using that site, that database for like, two years at this point and (laughs) you know to talk about character development in these later seasons Mm -hmm. remember when cordelia was like willow was teaching her to type (laughs) (laughs) hit deliver yeah Yeah. but but, uh who who won the race to demon wikipedia (laughs) true you know and also like i mean i feel like we are all enough of an age that we understand that like you know you had those classes back then i recently had someone on twitter they were definitely like younger i, I forget what i made a joke about it was like I, I think there was like a meme going around it was like you're only truly in love if and i think i did like you're only truly in love if right after you have sex your partner goes evil and kills your computer science teacher and someone <laughs> someone like replied and was like it wasn't science that they were teaching and i was like oh no that's that's what <laughs> the class back then <laughs> like that's just like when i was called computer labs <laughs> i felt very old <laughs> do, do, they, do they still call them that do they still call them computer labs laboratories right i don't think so i don't think they have i don't cause... know i think they're, they're always on computers so every day is computer lab <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> the kids know all of the technology better than anybody else yeah i don't know uh, i mean to be fair i i I'm in Arizona, so like our public schools probably still look a lot like Buffy season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so yeah, so we learn we we don't like do we land we do land that it is Naro because Kirsten of what you said earlier that like Dawn specifically is like oh there wasn't a splatter so that means there's a trail and blah 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 blah. So they go to Spike so we can like bring them to follow the blood trail. And Dawn gets a really cute line where they're kind of like, you know, complimenting Dawn and she's specifically like ranting off things they can do about the database. And then is like, and also I can wear high heels more often. <laughs> and like everyone loves a slender ankle. I think it's like really charming. <laughs> it's a nice little, there was that moment where Buffy's like, wow, that was so close to being empowered. Right. <laughs> and Dawn, instead of being shamed by it, is like, everybody loves a slender ankle. She was just yeah. getting that in there, man. And she is a full, like well-rounded, you know, person who, who <laughs> wants to do this database and also wants to wear sexy boots, you know, 
know, I mean, it's, it's fine. <laughs> and also Buffy was wearing them before, like younger than Dawn. So yeah. Like... yeah. yeah. Um, i say that line like every time i buy shoes actually (laughs) and i think i have since 2003 (laughs) uh so we we get them going into the cave um i also forgot that they go to the cave leave and then come back to the cave which Mm -hmm. is like weird but for plot wise i get it Uh um Dawn gets like kind of immediately slashed, but we, the viewers know that both, both parties are there at the same time, just they can't see each other because of the spell. Um, and I kind of like that Narl, I think is one of like the best Buffy monsters. Oh, hands um, down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's he, not he a rubber that. snake with arms. Why does the rubber snake yeah. need arms? What is that T-Rex arms about on the snake? <laughs> Who needs that? Sorry. <laughs> also, I love like, I can't, I can never decide. I'm like, do I love his sing-songy rhymes or am I like, come on, guys? I think both. <laughs> oh, I love it yeah. so much. I, I'm 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 pro gnarl in general. And it's just he just has such a perfect creepy like level of mannerism to like kind of yeah. soft voice that's like oh, borderline like, comforting. Like, here's a dude who loves his job. <laughs> <laughs> He's just having so much fun. He just loves his job. Once again, a love story between a demon and his job is one of my favorite things. Well, one of the things I love, too, about Narl is that, like, usually throughout Buffy, we tend to have, when we have a monster, we usually use them as a metaphor for some kind of thing, right? But here, the metaphor is actually in the spell, you know, is that, that Willow is so afraid of seeing that disappointment, of seeing, you know, her friends and finding out that they cannot forgive her that she would rather not see them at all. And that's actually where the whole, like as, as thin a metaphor as it is, that's where the metaphor is playing out. Gnarl yeah. is just a creep ass monster and he's amazing he's so creepy first of all this is like you know why you keep your monsters in the shadows as much as possible because what i imagine is so much worse than anything that you can actually put on the screen so let me imagine it the sound effects i have a thing um i can't watch horror right so i cover my eyes i can't see it and then I listen to the sound effects and it's so much worse. So, <laughs> so much worse. Right. And, um, and I do this with this episode too. I mean, I've, I've seen it a million times, but there are still frames of this episode that I have never laid eyes on because I just can't, it's just so gross. But I listen to the <laughs> peeling of the skin and the licking of the blood and all with the sing song thing. And Oh my God, that's nightmare fuel for years, you know? Um, but he's so beautifully done. And I love the sing-songy element because I feel like that makes him like it gives him like a human creepiness, right? Because yes. it sounds yeah. like those kind of like fairy tale songs from when you're a kid. But he's a demon, so his demon parents were singing that to him too. <laughs> Apparently, that's a universal <laughs> cultural thing. I don't know, um, but he's so beautifully done. Um, and Camden Toy, who was actually one of the gentlemen from the Hush, we're going to see him come back as the Uber Vamp later on in the yeah. season. Um, his physicality, he is a, he is a creep dancer. Like the yeah. way he moves, he's so beautifully able to uh, to like make manifest these creepy ass monsters. Um, and I love, I hate Gnarl because it's gross and ugh, squishy eyeballs, but I love Gnarl so much because it is so well done. 
yes i would i would agree with that that Uh, was one of the notes i made was that camden toy is the uh the best of all of the buffy recurring like villain actors uh Mm -hmm. and and it is i mean he there's you think about some of the other people that like are recognizable, but they bring back and they put in suits and stuff. Uh, like I, f- I forget his name, but he plays the judge and he plays Luke. And a co- he was back. And he plays Luke, yeah. yeah, the Brian Thompson. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, I think yeah. a couple other yeah. times too. And, and the guy who plays Knox yeah, on a, Angel, Jeff Cober. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. these people are, they they all have different qualities, but there's just something that's so inherently creepy about Camden Toy. I think possibly. I I like imagine him without the makeup moving like that. That's probably really mean to say, but like I just assume that he could terrify you out of costume as well. Like if he if he wanted to, like not just like by existing, but just his physicality. Yeah, I will say I interviewed him in person at WeedonCon. Feels like five hundred years ago, Mm -hmm. but was just in twenty nineteen. Oh, dude! And and when he was talking about his like audition, he was like, "And I just did the smile," and he smiled at me. He was like, and Joss said, oh, yeah, do that as a gentleman. And I was like, yeah, that, that smile just looked like one of the gentlemen's <laughs> smiles. Like, it was like, it took me out oh for a Oh, my second. God. Because he smiled. Like, he's the only one that didn't, I think only, like, the main two didn't wear fake teeth. But the other ones had, like, mouthpieces mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And him, it was just, like, his smile that smiles that big. Uh, and he did it for me. And I was like, oh. Yeah. I would have to change my underwear, mister. I got to tell you, that would be terrifying. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think that like, there's definitely like a special talent to like doing, going above and beyond in like a monster costume, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, I'm not, I'm sure that's not easy to like, like you said, the way he moves and everything, like it's still very... And I mean, sometimes I'm sure it wasn't the fault of the actors. I'm sure some of those suits were just like a chunk of rubber that you can't move in. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes when Buffy's fighting a monster, like even like Adam, Mm -hmm. it looks like a heavy piece of whatever sitting on top of a person. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't look that way here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they bring Dawn out of the cave. They seal the cave up. They leave Willow there. They don't know she's there. Um, all the Dawn stuff is actually pretty good too. When she's yeah. like, I kind of like that we don't need to pretend that it's serious. It's just like, well, we're going to make jokes about this. <laughs> yeah. Stop saying vomit. <laughs> <laughs> like, because they clearly could have played it where I think season five or six Buffy might have been too serious about Dawn's, Dawn being paralyzed by this demon, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. She might have been too like stressed about him and like, we got to save Dawn. But she's kind of like joking and is like, Oop, there's no cure. It's permanent. Oh, sorry. Yeah, if, if the monster dies, you'll be cured. Like she's, I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we don't need it to be super serious because we know it's not, and it's fine. Um, but I like that. I like that they call Anya. Then Anya comes in and delivers some like really great lines again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it makes me laugh so hard. When she's like, oh, yeah, Willow was. Oh, by the way, Willow's looking for you. The way she just so casually says mm-hmm. this. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> is so good. Um, and then what does she say? Something like, wouldn't it be silly if Willow's, you know, getting eaten alive while you're here with your comically paralyzed sister? <laughs> like, <"This> so good. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. And I like that Anya's like, you know about Gnarl? And she's like, mm-hmm. She's like, great, you're coming with. And she's like, oh. <laughs> but she still does. Like, that's the yes. thing. I think you see so much of Anya's, Anya's isolation and her desire for contact because these people who 
you know, to varying degrees have been pretty awful to her. Yeah. She's still like, okay, yeah, I'll come help you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they go to the cave. I I really like all of this at the end here. I, yeah. I liked that Anya has to narrate to Willow what's going on. I, Buffy has her fight, you know, we kind of... We're like, oh, we need a, it's Buffy, so we need a fight scene, but like, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't need to be that great. She kind of like pops his eyes real quick, which is really <laughs> gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I like that Anya says, she's killed the demon. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, she gets such good lines. Oh, she's um, so good. And I, and I do really like, and like, normally, I don't know, I don't know if you've all watched uh, Doctor Who. I'm not a fan. I'm not usually a fan of like, ooh, our love made this like spell break, but I like it here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it just makes sense. Because she did the spell because she was afraid of seeing mm-hmm. them, but then is like, oh, okay, they not they're not mad at me. They're like they want to see me. Yeah. So sure, breaks the spell. I'm like totally willing to buy that. Yep. And I also buy the explanation of Willow doing it by accident. Yeah. I like that. I think that's like the best way it could have been like it just would have been such a mm-hmm. it would have been a similar but entirely different story and like less i think true to life and less poignant if it was something she like intentionally did to hide herself you know the fact that it was just yeah, yeah. pure shame accidentally driving her to that um is just kind of perfect yeah. yeah and it's it's so true right that's what we do we sabotage ourselves in our relationships because we can't handle our own shame yep mm-hmm. yeah yeah well put, Kirsten. You must be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, you know, they go back to the house. I really love this scene between Willow and Buffy. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of, I was talking about this with someone last night. It's kind of like one of the last BFF moments they get together mm-hmm. where it's just like them being friends. Because, mm-hmm. we, do, you know, season seven picks up so much. There's not a lot of room to pause. And also there's there's not a lot of room for Buffy and Willow to have any alone, any room alone mm-hmm. um, yeah. to just like chat and catch up. Like literally. And I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Literally. Um, and I just I don't know. I think the, the two of them have really good best friend chemistry, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like a, a template. Um, uh, I think for those of us that, that watch that show and grew up watching it, that's like a template of what a friendship should be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point because uh, I often spoil myself with that where I'm like, oh, but I want it like that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Tio, pointed out to me that actually he said that this is actually pretty common. Lonnie, I don't know if you've heard this before, mm-hmm. that this is like a precursor to Buffy sharing her power with the potentials at the end. Oh, yeah. Almost. yeah. I hadn't thought of that either. Okay, mm-hmm. good. I'm not the only yeah. one. No, I hadn't heard that, but it, ma- it completely makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. When, and yeah. one thing the show always does well is seeding things that are going to ca- happen later into seemingly yeah. like isolated or inconsequential moments. So in this one, you yeah. know, you have you have the seeds for selfless. You have that that concept of sharing power to strengthen the women around you. Um, you have you have the de-eyeballing of someone with a thumb. Um, true. Also true. Yep. Yep. Oh <laughs> <Ugh>, God. <Yeah. laughs> um. But yeah. Okay. So I guess we're at the end here. Uh, favorite outfit, Alex. Uh. So I wrote. Uh. 
two because I, I have a real issue here. Uh, so Xander's Western shirt is just like so both of these outfits and in general, the whole thing are just so aggressively that time period. <laughs> um, and there's just like such an inherent like, like most early 2000s fashion or just 2000s fashion period is like bad. And I think we can kind of all agree on that. But that like Western snap shirt look was not a bad look for men. And I will I will continue to plant my flag and die on the hill. But that that was the one thing we should have kept from the whole decade. (laughs) You know, I'm glad I thought you were going to say that you hated that. So I was going to be like, oh, but I think I would wear that now. Oh, I had quite a few of those exact shirts and every possible color combination. Um and I am just kind of watching that being like very angry that I don't currently like I live in the Southwest. I could pull that off. (laughs) But the one that is either my least favorite outfit or actually maybe my favorite, I'm not sure is Willow's because it's also just, it's just so 2000 and it's just like, it has, it has that just comically oversized ruffle that like, (laughs) <laughs> you definitely would have seen at most like middle class shopping malls at that time period. But it's just like yeah. impractical and unattractive. <laughs> or <laughs> is it kind of amazing and it's just so distracting that it like draws you in? I I'm kind of <laughs> lost here. I don't know. <laughs> uh lonnie what's your favorite outfit well that's a hell of a lead into my favorite outfit because dude like willows all right now here's the thing i have no fashion sense whatsoever if y'all could see me now then i wouldn't have to say that um but i actually the thing that i love about willows outfit is the play of light and shadow that they did with her on this like okay now forgive me for getting all meaningful with my fashion but i don't know anything else about fashion so i got to go into meaning right (laughs) i love willow's tough dark leather jacket like no nonsense no frills leather jacket over a floofy white poet's shirt underneath right and so i'm going into this whole like deep ass reading of this right willow's true (laughs) self her heart is light and floofy (laughs) but she's also really guarded in this episode so she's got this shadowy leather protective barrier that covers her light and floofy heart like almost entirely through most of the episode right but note but note in the magic scene with anya the shadow leather protective barrier comes off she doesn't care as deeply about Anya. So Anya's opinion of her doesn't have the power to hurt her. So it's with Anya that she is actually the most present and available that she is throughout the entire scene. And then entire episode anyway, and then, <laughs> okay, no, there's more. And then she's got the shadow leather protective barrier on with Narl, but it doesn't do her any good. He's able to get right through that to her vulnerable spaces. He is literally eating from her, her soft underbelly. Right. You know, yeah. and yeah. then in the final reunion scene, both Buffy and Willow are wearing leather coats, right? So Buffy's got a leather protective barrier on. It's in that fight scene in the cave when they're finally able to see each other. Willow's got her protective barrier on, but Xander doesn't. Xander was never protecting himself from how deeply he loved Willow and how willing he was to forgive her. He never suspected that she was the one flaying anybody. Um, But both Willow and Buffy are still protecting themselves. Then we get this final scene where Willow's in this light colored flannel pajama set and Buffy's wearing a tank top so thin and light you can practically see through it. They're both soft and floofy and then they hold hands and they heal together and oh my god I love it so much. (laughs) 
Thank great. you. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, bless. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kirsten, what is your favorite outfit? I mean, can't compete with that. Um, <laughs> I do. I know, right? I do. Ironically, love Anya's button-up sweater with the inexplicable exterior belt moved into the sweater itself because you know i had one of those i'm pretty sure like like, who who was like i know um what are already useless and uncomfortable belts what if we made them even more so um i do love willow's leather jacket i gotta say this show always makes me think like leather jackets are so attractive Uh, Mm -hmm. But not when you're four foot 11 and built like you've had three kids. Um, (laughs) And But I do love, I actually really love Willow's outfit. I think that the soft, um, inexplicable ruffles peeking out between the two sides of the dark, sturdy leather jacket. I think it's a really good look because I do like that Mm -hmm. balance of like really tough and really soft. Um, And when Willow walks off the plane, my teenage kids are watching it with me. They've never really watched Buffy. And I pointed to her and I was like, guys, imagine, imagine casting her as the mousy friend that nobody notices. (laughs) And the kids were like, what? I was like, I know. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) Imagine casting this luminous goddess of a beauty. of like the mousy nerd that no one in high school has figured out is hot. Yeah. Anyway. um, Yeah. So probably that. But also like Gnarl's Gnarl's creepy lack of clothes. Uh, fair a fair choice you never notice the naked demon but they're right there yeah yeah i mean his lack of clothing was deeply effective yeah yeah that's fair um my listen my favorite outfit is that willow look i think i think it does a good job of um so when we interviewed the season seven costume designer matt van dyne he said that um allison hannigan seemed very happy with her outfit choices and he just wanted to kind of update her look to be a little bit more adult. And I think it does a good job here is very much a very good um, combination of like Willow, like the, the, the frillies still give you the Ren fair, but it like the leather jacket and those cute pinstripe black pants with the heel, like give a more adult mm-hmm. fashionable vibe. Um, and I just, I think it works like it works for Willow. Like would I ever wear a roughly poet, sweater like that no but i think it looks good on her and it makes sense for willow's character like that's how she would dress if she wanted to dress like slightly more adult but still have her fashion about her um and it's like one of my favorite willow season seven looks i will say kirsten same i like on that blue looks good on anya so Mm -hmm. that outfit is a close second Mm -hmm. um in customizing the figures for this cover, I like made sure I got Willow with like a brown leather jacket and that Anya light blue cardigan whatever look because I don't know just like while yeah the outfit looking at it it's like why is there a belt and those pants are very wide legs. She still looks but, like, good. I, she always looks good. Right, mm-hmm, yeah. she looks great. Um, favorite scene, Lonnie. Oh God, 
You know, I knew you were going to ask this question. I struggled with this. I was like, oh, <laughs> is it button, button? Who's got the button? Or is it, you know, it, it did get kind of sexy, didn't it? Um, you know, all of this stuff. But I think, honestly, it, it has to do, like, the, the reunion scene. Like, I okay. love reunions, you know? I, like, those soldiers who come home to their dogs on YouTube. Oh, my God. <laughs> I spend days watching nothing but that, you know? Um, so when there's these characters who I love so dearly and I know love each other and they're so nervous and they're so scared and then they can suddenly see each other again and there's Willow and she's on the floor and she was like oh you were here the whole time and it just oh my god it made me cry and I gotta say like I am I'm a sucker for love stories of all kinds right but the most central love story in Buffy I will argue is Buffy and Willow mm -hmm. that is the central love story of this entire series there are a number of love stories but that's the one um, and so to have that be so beautifully expressed in this moment together where she says, I don't have the strength. And Buffy says, use mine. Oh my God, you guys. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what's your favorite scene? So this, this is a tough one uh, because you, you, you could uh -oh. just say any, any of Anya's scenes and that's like, that's yeah, mm -hmm. fair. Cause I could like just watch those on a loop, but I don't know. I mean, you were saying earlier that you don't normally like the like my love will break the spell type of moments, but like I do. I love schmaltz. So, <laughs> 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 so like, you know, gi uh, give me all of the like deep emotional like moments that are like reinforcing that idea that life is better together and that like compassion and acts of compassion and acts of forgiveness are important. So the kind of the whole end of the, of this uh of the episode mm -hmm. could mm -hmm. probably wins out although i hate selling on you short like that <laughs> <laughs> uh kirsten your favorite scene uh yeah i mean any line anya says in the whole episode um <laughs> but also like the the image of of that demon scraping pieces of skin off and and lifting yeah. the the wiggling Ooh. slightly yeah. stiff skin to his mouth <laughs> that has stuck with me for years so i gotta say that was deeply effective i don't know that it's my favorite but i will say like well done on the imagery that never leaves <laughs> yeah that one sears in your brain like a bad steak uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> You know, I noticed this time when I was watching it, I was like, I wonder what it is that, like, is that, like, a gummy worm that he's eating? Like, I was wondering what, because he eats it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could make that out of, like, a gelatin mold. You could make it, you'd have to make yeah. the gelatin really stiff, but you could do it. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so my favorite scene is the Willow and Anya spell scene, but a close second is the, like, Willow and Buffy. I can remember when I watched this live, that scene making me, like, cry a little, mm -hmm. just because it was, like, so nice to finally, like, after the trauma of season six, mm -hmm. this scene was a nice, for me, it's a nice closure to season six. Yeah. Where it's like, cool, we are showing that they're cool again. Buffy was honest with her, saying that she thought it was her. Willow is like, it's cool. I understand why you thought it was me. Even I thought it might be me. <laughs> um, let's sit here and be best friends and hold hands. And I just think, I love a friendship. This show does friendship so well. Yeah. And it's such a good moment and I think it's a really good closure for season six. That way the characters can move on. Like, right, there's no more suspecting Willow. It's more like, can Willow do the spell? Like, will she be okay? There's never a like, 
oh, she's going to go evil. Like, we don't need to do that again. Mm -hmm. And I like that this is, it makes sense as closure. It's not like forced or anything like that. It's a nice moment. Um, So we're going to grade the episode. Alex, what grade do you give the episode? Uh, We're doing letter letter (laughs) grades here? Yes, this long dramatic pause. (laughs) This is this is this is tough. This is really tough. Uh, I think the lowest. I don't. If it makes you feel any better, the lowest I could. Whenever Emily Nussbaum is sorry. If it makes you feel any better, whenever Emily Nussbaum is on, she says she refuses to grade episodes because she doesn't like grading them. (laughs) No, it's just you know. Look, I think the lowest grade I would give any any episode is like maybe a B plus. So it's. I have a small floor here to work with. I'm going to give this one a flat A. Flat A. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Kirsten? Uh, Yeah, you know, I I tend to be a harsher grader than Alex, but I really love this episode. I think everything that it does, it does well. Um, And, you know, it was one of those episodes where I I can't ever remember episode titles, but as soon as I queued this one up, I was like, oh, this episode. Um, So, yeah, I'm giving it an A. I love this episode. All right, Lonnie. Yeah, uh, you know, I give it an A as well. Um, you know, I, I tend to be a chronological watcher when I go through the series. I'm not a big fan of Beneath You, so it may get a little bit of a bump from the good house in a bad neighborhood kind of uh, thing. But overall, <laughs> I just think that this is, I think it's a great episode, even though there's stuff in it. Like every time any of you mention Narl, uh, astute listeners will hear my go in the background <laughs> where I make that like, <laughs> because I just can't think about Narl without having that. And even though I don't necessarily enjoy that experience like it was so well done and it's so yeah. beautifully done and i just i love it uh yeah of absolute a all right um god i'm the harshest grader of this episode i give it a b plus mm-hmm. not a not a bad grade still um but i was definitely toying with a b plus slash a because i couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't land but i think i do b plus although uh maybe i do do a as well as you do guys, as well as you guys do because i you all might have yeah you know what you all might have convinced me to push it up to an a because it does do the things that it tries to do, it achieve. I think it does achieve all mm-hmm. the things that it's doing, and like mm-hmm. doesn't need to. It's not trying to be, you know, fucking the body or whatever. It's like trying to bring Willow back into the fold, and I think it does it, and it does it well. So yeah, you know what? You all bump me up to an A. <laughs> um, if you all like the podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Um, you can subscribe to us on Patreon, which really helps keep the podcast going and gives you access to our uh, mini episodes, uh, monthly recap videos, and private Facebook group and more. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are at SlayerFestX98 on all social platforms. If you want to follow me, I am at Carlos. Lonnie, where can everyone find you and where can everyone find your podcast? Uh, everybody can find me on Twitter at, at Lonnie Diane Rich. And you can also find all of my podcasts at chipperish.com. And Alex, where can everyone find uh, you? Just Google Alex Cack. There will be th- something will pop up. It's, there's like there's like three people <laughs> with that last name in the, country, in the entire world. <laughs> uh, Kirsten, where can everyone find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Kirsten White, Instagram at Arthur at, at Author Kirsten White, or you can find me on the shelves of your local bookstore in the YA section. And thank you all for joining us, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.